Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about silage drydown and how to check your corn silage for moisture. In our spotlight, we'll look at making sense of carbon programs. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the history of the Coster Tester. Cool Beans, that's Courtney Wells from Current Events. So with me today are Bill Schaumburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So it's almost football season. We've had a little preseason pro this week is... I guess kind of preseason college, week zero. Yeah, not a lot of good games. Not any good games this week. There's like six, six games or eight or so, games. Yeah. yeah, just get a get a primer. I guess Illinois uh, Nebraska could be a decent game. Yeah, Bill is going to watch your ba- favorite coach, Bert Bert Bielema, coach in Illinois. <laughs> Never forget you, Bert. We'll see how it goes. He's trying to poach all the Wisconsin recruits, so we'll see how over time. Hey, he's a big deal. He was on the coaching staff of the New England Patriots for all of like five minutes. Yeah, he had to go rehab his career. That's what you do. You go to New England? You either go coach at Alabama or you go coach at New England. That's how you rehab your career. It's a probably a good good idea. After you fail, you go to one of those two places, you win a bunch of games, and then... Then you're good again. Except for New England did not win a whole lot of games last year. No. Unless it was not the year for, for New England. But next week, there's tons of college, so... Yeah. Get Real popcorn football. and all NFL, day Saturday. NFL starts next week, too. They get a week off. Oh, it's yeah. Like, yeah I was learning that it for fantasy football drafts. Like, you don't... It's like the 12. So do they go a week later for adding this week? They added a regular season? Probably. Like, it's got to be... Yeah, they do go into January. Like, the so last is the Super Bowl going to be season. pushed back and all that? Like, I would assume... Well, they always had, like, a two-week break between, so I don't know if they'll... Just cut a week out of yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. Or it's weird Packers play like on Christmas Day yeah. this year. Yep. Three o'clock so, Christmas so Day. So do the Bucks. Like the Milwaukee Bucks play? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Be a big day. Yeah. Speaking of which, got a new owner in town. Yep. New owner for the Milwaukee Brewers. Giannis. Yeah. Giannis. So. Well, minority owner, but he's doing the superstar thing. Yeah, that is cool. Like how Rogers owns part do, of the What Bucks do you think they got a pony up for that? I don't know if it's all that much money. I mean, I, the for part, me, it's probably a ton of money. <laughs> but for them, I don't know if it's like, all that much. You got a four hundred million supermax. Give us five. I bet I, you it's not that much. Really? I, yeah, I agree with you. It's like one to five because they just want the name right. too. You know, like to say Rogers owns this owns or, the box and he can sit in the front and, row, and, and Giannis owns part of the Brewers. It's just. I mean, think about it. It's like an advertising deal that you get paid for, right? Because Giannis is going to pump. Brewers. Oh yeah, obviously. he's sitting in the press box or one of the boxes the other night, and they're showing him as the Brewers are coming back, and he's all excited and yeah, got a split screen between Giannis and the guy who's at bat or Yelly or whatever. Yep. Yeah, they have the Super Bowl projected either February twelfth through March eighth, so they must That's, not have picked a certain like ooh, a particular date yet. It's probably COVID. It's a pretty big, pretty big window. But yeah, the week 18 is January 6th through the 12th. That's later. So can you Easy imagine Sub-Zero game in Lambeau? Let's do it. Assuming they won't. Last year we didn't get that, though. Right. The Bucks game. 
the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, it was actually game. really it was nice. Like Thirty degrees. It was yeah, it was warm, man. Yeah. And they still did, made a big deal about it on the broadcast. Yeah, like, it's cold here in Lambeau, and I was like, it's 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 thirty. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? You want to play a real playoff game at Lambeau, like a real playoff? Yeah, game? Ask the Giants. Negative five. It, when when Tom Coughlin almost froze his little troll nose off. Oh. Yeah. Tom Coughlin is tougher than the earth. That was frozen. Yep. Talking about tougher than the earth, have you seen these milk crate challenges, yeah. Max, or they're all like viral videos? Listen, of... I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time standing on milk crates. So, how, Could you do it? How to, how to break your neck, 101. <laughs> yeah. How high, Max? I don't think I ever stacked more than two. And even two, like you can already feel it start to be unstable. I don't know where I count. You need like twenty five milk crates. Like where? If where you are people getting twenty five? Literally, just go to the back of any grocery store. Yeah, they're, they're just, just piled up. Stealing by the them or yeah. yeah. Go to a quick trip. I, I'm I sure did, if you asked, they'd give them to you. Eh, I did read that they that the like dairy industry is giving some criticism because like a lot of people are stealing stuff or milk. You know, stealing the milk crates or because it's like a federal offense, not a federal offense, a state offense to do it. Well, I mean, on some of stealing is a crime. Well, yeah, I don't know that it has to be a federal offense, but do not steal milk crates. Yeah. I mean, it says right on if you've ever had a milk right. crate. It says right on it, like property of yeah. any unlawful. It says like it's, unlawful possession. It says considered a crime in many states. Dairy industries lose around eighty million per year due to theft, according 80 to eighty million the milk crates. IDF. I don't know eighty how million could dollars. Be, oh, dollars. Yeah. Worth of but it crates. couldn't be that much in milk crates. That's seems well, now it's insane. more. You got a milk crate at your house? I do, but I feel like... Okay, you got a milk crate <laughs> at your house? Yep. You got a milk crate I at your do house? I not. I got one at my house. I do not. But 25, too. Like, this is, like Look, it's like rounding up. And they all got to be like the same shape. Three out of four mm. people in this room have milk, <laughs> milk crates, crates in their house. You get to 80 million pretty quick yeah. on three out of four people. But I'm not. And I, and there's I'll, like 200 million people in the country. And I'll come right out and if, say it. I got more than one. So, <laughs> if they're a dollar a piece, and 80 million people Oof, in the I'm United sure. States have, it's pretty thick plastic crate. in this. These things too. They aren't like yeah. these cheapo. Well, like, people are standing on them. So. Yes, that's the kind I got. The cheapo ones from. Walmart. Oh yeah, like a. Yeah, we have I a, re- a red on one. Ours. I don't oh. remember where it came from, but. Yeah, I'm guessing it was a rummage sale or something, or somebody had it in a basement and. It came with a bunch of junk. Yeah, we. I got. They even more made Wikipedia. Todd. Oh yeah, Wikipedia milk crate challenge has its own page. I think they should combine this with the ice bucket challenge. You have to well, stand at the pinnacle of your milk <laughs> crates and then get a bucket of ice dumped on you. So, so for anybody who hasn't seen this, this, is a viewer discretion advised video. Yeah, because there's a lot of broken bones. A lot of people fall. Like basically, you you make a pyramid of milk crates and then try to walk over it. Is what people did. Yeah. And, it started going viral like August first. Really? Yeah. Or that's when like the first ones were. It didn't get to Wisconsin until this week. Though. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah, it's been around for a little while. And I, my favorite Wikipedia comment is: the milk crate challenges face criticism by health professionals for unnecessary risk to personal health, especially during the COVID nineteen <laughs> pandemic. Because because emergency rooms aren't full enough right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How'd you break your arm? Uh, uh, milk crate challenge. Yeah. But I'm vaccinated. <laughs> so I'm not coming in for COVID. <laughs> so we're going to try then. After and it the does show's say, like, 
mainly shoulder injuries, like real Shocking. lot of a lot of broken. Collar we're gonna try so, max yeah. with three crates. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we I'm, could come up with twenty five. I bet you if we scrounged our garage, we could get pretty dang close. <laughs> How many do you have? I don't know, but I definitely got more yeah, than one. I bet like... you if I went to my parents' house, they got a couple. My grandparents definitely have a couple. Your dad could hook us up. He probably could. So, you know, the picture you have there is not the kind of milk crate. Yeah, those are flat. No, those this are is like, like five legit ways to get milk crates. For and free or very cheap. Yeah, but this is before the milk crate challenge, so I'm assuming then you could ask... Now I'm wondering if like yeah, it'd be a lot easier with those flat crates. Yeah, they're locking up. They're, they're more rectangular. Crates, yeah, like if you go behind. Pods. Yeah, if you go behind Quick Trip now, do you think they're just laying, you know, on the side of the building? I would doubt it. Like... That's. I mean, I saw it on. I was reading a Reddit the other day about the milk crate challenge, and it was literally just go by the dumpsters at Walmart, and they just have hundreds of them sitting there, yeah. stacked up. I wonder if uh, that's part of the problem. Is they're like busted or weak or you know sure. there's a reason somebody's throwing them out right hmm. oh this one that article says a hundred million yeah theft of milk crates is a hundred million annual loss to the dairy industry Jeez. why don't they start selling them recoup your cost it says it's 20 to 25 million crates are lost annually don't you think people would that buy them like two bucks a piece? Like just random oh, yeah. people would buy them as storage. Sure, people would, yeah. I mean, they're really sturdy, obviously. Except yeah, for there's a reason five people high. are, are taking. Here it them. says they're four bucks a crate to produce. If that's what they're selling, so for sell 10. them for, yeah. With milk five, in them, five bucks. All right, That'd be the way to go. Rich for my blood. Eight. I'll go back to the free ones. <laughs> <laughs> What if, yeah, drink. what if you get four gallons of milk with it, man? Then I would do it. <laughs> four gallons of milk for ten dollars, man. Yeah. I would do That's that. That's a steal. Let's do. It should yeah. be like twenty. We should bucks. start marketing these way. Start talking to the milkman. Maybe they'd be sturdier if they put the challenge with the milk in it. Maybe what they should do yeah. is start a new milk challenge. They should have a pool of milk to fall into. Then. I think you have to drink all the milk and then do the oh. walk across. Look at how much oh. to the dairy industry that's, would be then. It's a lot we, of dairy. Yeah. Think about the milk. You ever see someone do the milk mile? Where you drink a half gallon, a gallon of milk and then you got to run a mile? Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, I'm lactose intolerant. Oh, really? You can't handle lactose? No, I, I drank all of the milk in these crates. <laughs> I will never drink milk again. Yeah. Pretty sure I'd gag just looking at another glass of milk if you tried to milk all that milk. Too much of a good thing. I housed about a half gallon the other night. Got thirsty. Wasn't any cold water in the fridge, so I went just just milk. It was pretty good. Two percent? Uh one percent. One percent when you're thirsty. High okay. test, like baby. Yeah. Yeah. She so was like, Are you gonna be okay? I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm so good. <laughs> I'm so good. It's like half a gallon. That's when you get to a gallon. That's when problems. My lactose. And- it's weird how that lion is different. Like just over half gallon, you definitely go off a cliff. I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm lactose hypersensitive. So half gallon of uh, of straight milk was not the ideal choice, but it quenched my thirst. So I was I was fine. But yeah, she's like, uh, "Are you gonna make it? Like, like that was a lot of milk for you." And I'm like, "I think I'll I'll survive." <laughs> I think the bigger question is, will Sierra make it? Like, uh, she going to survive sleeping uh, next to a 
body that's having I was, difficulties processing I was, milk. I was raised with a with a lactose sensitivity and have never backed away from it. So I you just don't. don't you I just, don't back away from it at all because yeah. I can't. Like I can't help myself. So I just kind of is what it is. But like when we lived in a house where we drank a gallon of milk a day, like no problem. And that doesn't account for the cheese, ice cream that also went in. So uh, that's where it, my household's at right now. It's it's all good. Gallon a day. Gallon a day. Gallon a day plus another half gallon stolen out of grandma's freezer every day. Because you know we had to ride our bikes over there and have freezer. Yeah, she puts the milk in the freezer when you, you get there. You can freeze milk. Well, she so when we walked in the door, she'd put it in the freezer. Oh, to get it cold, and then, and then start like, making whatever she was making, and then pull it out so it was extra cold. cold. Like, oh, yeah, like, got it. Like, 30, like a milksicle, three yeah. degrees. It was awesome. But I, I have heard of people freezing milk. Like, yeah, okay. Yep. We'll put it in the garage in the wintertime, and sometimes it will freeze. Extra, extra storage. Milksicle. Yep. You just put like a paint stick. In the gallon when you put it out there and then cut the the jug off and you can <laughs> lick it. <laughs> that probably wouldn't be good. I think no, enough. it'd be great. It's bad awesome. enough when you go to Culver's and they give you a half, like, this one's a little runny today. <laughs> Custard's a little runny. Well, the worst is I've had it where it's grainy, like you can, the mm. salt, the sugar they add, oh. like you, it never really fully mixed in. They're like, oh, this is the weird texture, like what's going on? All right, ready to talk some silage? Yes. Cows are hungry. It's gonna gotta, be, it's gotta be like every food. other every other day this week. We're gonna talk silage dry down. Yeah, pretty much. The next three weeks, that's gonna yep. only be our conversations. That and manure. Out of Gamey County had its first silage dry down yesterday. How many uh, injuries did you get? I think there were five. Five sounds right. So it wasn't wasn't so, a ton, but it's early. It's, it's it's Sounds generally the first, the first and the last dry downs of the year generally yeah. get pretty thin. Yeah. Ne- next week will be the big week. Well, I think there'll be a lot, a lot of samples coming in. Get your, right. get your baseline. You guys got people you think, depending on how much rain we get, be ready to go in the, in the next week. There'll be some starting before yeah. Labor Day a little bit, the and then week. the Labor Day yeah, the week, week of Labor Day will be a big week. It'll be yeah. big. We're uh, I got one guy piling equipment right now, so I'm gonna start Monday. So they're just kind of getting things, getting things. To, you know, it's a big transition when we start start that. And it's a big, big process. So. A lot of guys still finishing fourth crop alfalfa yeah. as well. Yeah. So I feel yeah, like that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, and, Jam that and with a week of rain, kind of yeah. messing it up. Not, I don't know. It wasn't as rainy as what I think they said. But now going in the weekend, it's going to rain a lot, and so it'll kind of change stuff. Actually, the way I got a lot of stuff working out, um, kind of in this more southern part of the state, we're gonna chop corn for four or five days. Then go make hay again. Then Is go it? back then to chopping corn. Because we kind of have a little gap in our corn silage. So we're going to chop a little bit, then cut hay, and then, yeah, do it all over back. again. So it's going to get pretty tight here <laughs> the next couple of weeks, but that's usually what happens this time of year, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So, Max, you put this one together. So what do you got for us? Yeah. So um, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, I guess, and there's more than one way to do a silage dry down. Um, as, as you talked about yesterday, uh, the, the county dry down is generally a coster dry down scenario. Um, if they have extra samples, I do believe they send them to one of the labs and the lab does it. Yep. Um, if they run out of time. Yeah. yeah Cause we, costers do take a while. Yep. So, um, there's, there's a bunch of different ways we can do it. Um, they're all useful. They all work in their own way. 
Um, and basically, it's just to try and find that relative moisture so we can get silage harvests at the right time. Um, the process, basically, from the beginning is we try and get three or four plants from across the field um, to give us a relative average dryness. Um, so you don't want to pick the greenest plants. You don't want to pick the driest plants. You kind of want to pick... And if it's variable, you want to get some of each. You know, sometimes you got fields where half it's burning up and half it's green. Try and get some of each so we can get get the average. That's Here's one spot I always try to remind farmers is we're taking three or four plants across. You know, in an acre, there's thirty two thousand plants right. in only that acre, and we're trying to average that field. So when there is a, a lot of error, that's a. I mean, just your sample size is incredibly small. Of a, the field. We're taking I mean, a fraction of a percent of the uh, right. field. I think it, that's even harder than like even deciding what method to use or how many points to add or how it, long to cook it. Trying to pick the average plant. Pick yeah, the plant. Pick the spot. Yeah. 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 No, and I that to to me, you just do your best. I mean, you're and you're gonna know. That's why you do test loads, maybe or something like that, with a real chopper across the field. And, and and you, the way you say real chopper, that's the next point here is after you pick those plants, you run them generally through a chipper shredder. And that can, that can be, that can be a problem a little bit. That's something you got to pay attention to that you're getting kind of a rel, you're getting a good sample that's going to mimic silage. And that can be hard to do without actually using a chopper, you know, the kernel processor I, and, and getting the cut size right and all that stuff. We, we can't make all those adjustments. So we do kind of have to remember that, um, yeah, this is just the best way we've now we like in ge- the close, industries yeah. come up with to get close, right, and to get you an idea when it could be ready. Because if you're not chopping it yourself too, then you've got to time your your custom harvester, yep. which you know isn't going to be probably the day you get that test where you're like, oh yeah, it's time to go. So you want to make sure you're kind of leading yourself a little bit. So yeah, so once we get our chipping shredding done um then we can go to the actual drying sure, down process sure you use the chipper part not the shredder part of yeah. the chipper shredder. yeah so there's like where you stick the leaves in that basket and it's usually like flails that will not work it's got to be the the blade of the chipper part yep. going out the side mm. and then the that other part is try to find double blade chippers work in general better than if there's like a single blade it just seems to get it a little finer but and the horsepower seems to matter too you get up towards that Five and a half is the, probably the minimum, and around a you know eight horse, that's a lot of. So using eight, eight and, and a half yesterday, beautiful. I used job using eight, and it, it like you say it. It's just, a whole other world. Like, yeah, because right we have a just eats. We have a, we have a five. Yes, that. Like that's a, a seven, seven and a half. Yeah, and then I was using an eight and a half at one of the drawers. They have their own. Um, Difference. Yeah. Eight and a half horsepower. That's that's chewing cobs. So that's that's really nice. Yeah, it's always nice when you don't have to take the stock and like push the the cob through, and it'll just feed right through. Yeah, the the ones that pull things in rather than you having to push them is that's yeah. clutch. Always be aware of that nice little line where it says "Don't, don't put your hand put past your hand. that." Yeah. You don't put your hand past. Everybody in this room has got all ten. Yeah, we got them all. Okay, keep it that way. We're we're young enough that we we weren't in the uh, the era of losing a finger consistently. The corn picker? Yeah. The corn picker. Yeah, you lose a hand, the my, corn picker. My, my dad referred to that as the finger pincher 1000. <laughs> so anyway, so our first our first unit that we're going to talk about here is a coster unit. Um, that's a, I don't know, it looks a lot like a charcoal chimney. If you use one of those at home for your charcoal grill. Um, you, anybody know what it's I'm pretty, talking about? I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. So, this is like just more like a blow dryer yeah. with the bigger heat element. Yeah. It's a, it's a blow dryer with a six-inch 
whole top basically. Yeah. So um, that's a 30 to 60 minute process depending on, you know, how, how wet or how hot your coaster is. And like if you're using it indoors versus outdoors, when you're using it outdoors, they seem to lose a little bit more heat. When we use them indoors, we usually can get through a little faster. Yeah. And the, that one too, it's, you're checking it more often. Yep. You're looking at it and you're weighing it. Cause you, it's, don't, you don't have to. You don't have to, but if you just let it, I mean, I know some farmers just turn it to 50, 60 minutes and by that time it's usually done. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, yeah. So sometimes, far, you know, if it's but if lower you're, moisture, you can you can be done after, say, 30 minutes if you check it and you see it doesn't go down. Yeah. My, my normal routine is to set a timer on my phone for 25 minutes and then start checking it from 25 minutes on every... Like every five? Every five to eight. Yeah. Kind of depends. If you check it at 25 and you're still, like, not even close, then... So then max means by eight. checking it, too, is, like, it if it... If you level off for say two readings or three readings, then you know okay I've sucked at. all the moisture. But make sure you wait, you know, probably five minutes between readings, so you're yeah. not right. kind of checking just it too do quick. it right away. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So um, that's a moderate heat and a moderate time. I mean, it's not super long, not super fast. But something you got to babysit, right? You can't. Yeah, it's yes. a labor intensive. You can't really walk away for hours. Labor intensive. Labor intensive isn't the right word because it's not hard, but you, it takes. Per sample, it takes, say you got just one or two to run, it's really good. But if you had 20 and then you had to put it on the machine, let it run for, you know, 40, 50 minutes and come back, put another one on, you know, that's a right. lot it's and a, labor intensive that way. Chances are you're, you're not going to have, like the county has, what, six costers. You, if you're dealing with one coster, that's one sample every 60 minutes. Yeah. Not. The the other part of this is use a lot of electricity. Yep. Is... I've been at, you know, certain when the county does them at certain farms and there's not, you know, their electricity isn't set up or, you know, popping breakers. And time. one time we melted a whole bunch of, don't put in an extension cord, which sure. I don't know why somebody did that. It was a mistake. And then, yeah, it was all melted through. So they, they use a lot of electricity. So that's one thing to consider too. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what type of costs you're talking, but something where there's other methods that, you know, probably are a lot cheaper that way just to run the machine. Can you over overcook it yes. on a coaster where it starts to burn? So you've got to be aware I of that. I think you kind of can, but that too, it seems That's like That's a that, long ways away though. Yeah, you'd have to let it on for over that hour. For and quite, quite a while. Yeah. I think, I think you know, all these methods that we're going to go through, well, all except for one, you could burn it in some way or over, yeah. over dry it. It's just how long do you have to leave it? Some of them you'd have to leave it a long time mm-hmm. to really over dry it. So, um, our next, our next unit that we use, and this is, this is what we use at the tilt agronomy world headquarters. This is the preferred method for us because mostly because of volume, I think is the it's biggest volume, yeah. Yeah. volume. And it takes not a ton of labor to manage it. To me, it's the same amount of labor as the rest of them, but for the amount of samples you're doing, it's, it's like technically less late. Well, you know, you, you can you can set it and forget it too. Yeah. So um, this is a dehydrator. Um, so that's an eight to twelve hour process. Um, in general, we try to have them all on the dehydrator by five p.m. and we don't check them until six a.m. the next day. That's usually the yeah the goal. Um, so that's a real uh, low heat, long period of time, um, which. We'll talk about it a little more later, but in general, I think the longer we can space out the dry down, the more accurate we are. Yeah. Um, the, the rapid dry seems to be a little bit less accurate. This way is nice. I mean, you can fit 10 to 12 samples on every dehydrator. So you buy three dehydrators with trays. You got, 
you know, 36 samples going at one time and that's, and, and they're going and you can go home and do whatever you need to do, you know, eat dinner, be around your family, sleep and come back and they're still there and they're not overcooked. They're, they're, they're just ready to go check your moisture and, and get those numbers out to the people who need to hear them. So, um, really nice, nice, easy, uh, method, a little bit of math on everybody's part, but downside is you, you don't get instant results. So right obviously if you, if you want it within an hour, this is eight to 12. So to me, that's really the only downside of this one. We're, we're giving up speed for volume. Right. Is yeah. what we're doing because of the amount of samples that all of our consultants have. Well, we, we can't be speedy. Realistically, how often do we need results in yeah. an hour? Yeah. Our Very farm, rarely. Some farmers are chomping at the bit, but for the most part. You, generally, though, if they're chomping at the bit, the longer we can put them off by having yeah. to, longer to take the sample, probably the better. I mean, real, really. So... Um, anyway, that, so that's a, that's a nice one. Make um, sure you have the, you need like the fruit roll-up trays so that you get the plastic sort of. Like tray liner basically. Yeah. yeah. the trays generally have holes in them. Yeah. So you would, can't yeah. really through, just throw it right out. So then you yeah. kind of take those fruit roll-up trays and then weigh them. The one thing I would notice too with the fruit roll-up trays is sometimes the, the, the empty weight can vary a little yeah. bit, especially yeah. you think like, well. What plastic I mean by plastic. right, like oh, it's all the same trays through the same mold, and they're all different. We so. did that uh, the first year we got them. We weighed them up, and we wrote the weight of the tray on the tray. Yeah, and like oh, just use that every time, and then it was and that changes that from, changes, from yeah. moisture and that, and even like from tray to tray, they can be yeah. within you know within a margin error difference. That's enough. We so. got some that are a full gram. Like I was looking at the yeah. sheet this morning. Like there's gram off gram, of, gram and a half. Yeah, yeah. from tray to oh, tray, yeah. and it's it's like. Tray 11 and tray 12, it's the trays that are right next to each other, like in order, and they're a full gram apart from each other. So it's definitely something worth noting and pay attention. It was a great idea to write it all the weights down the first year. At least you knew to weigh them right. the first time, but at the end of the day. We, like, al- you- we always get the tray weight, tear it off, then get 100 grams of feed on the tray. So the math is, makes it really Makes easy it easy, then. yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so the easier you can make the math for yourself in general, like any way you can adjust this to make the math easy is probably a good good idea especially when like for us you know i may put all my stuff on the dehydrator but you may be the one who checks them the next morning right or whatever so the more uniform you can keep it in a you know larger operation some farms one guy's putting them on the coster and another guy's checking them so if you can if you can find a uniform way to measure that that really helps um the next method we're going to talk about is the microwave method um nuke it so <laughs> So this is really fast, uh, four minutes, and then you may need a couple more minutes. You know, you should do it again for a minute uh, until you get to that dry period. Um, really hot, really fast. Like you say, basically instant results. Within ten minutes, you have you have the numbers that you need. And I feel like this way you could burn. Yeah, this would be the easy way to burn something. Yep. Yep. Oops, did I did I hit four minutes or forty minutes? So See, and and this is one of the first ones. Uh, where I start to notice the the accuracy start to drop off a little bit and that speedy dry down, it just doesn't seem like the microwave holds quite as well. I think if you know if you've done a lot of samples this way and you know kinda how your even different microwaves are different, is every time I've tried it I seem to burn it too quick and I just can't get the method quite right. But when people are doing say hundreds of these, you're you're gonna get kinda down to where you know how long you need to have it in there, you know, kind of you take it out and sort of fluff it up and get, it usually starts burning in the center too. So you kind of move that around and 
Um, can be like you say. It's just like when you're microwaving your food, you want to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> mix it up, yeah, put it back in. Like have a TMR. Like when you put some when you put something in and it's bubbling and popping, like it's gonna explode, and you pull it out and it's cold. Yeah, it's like that kind of deal. <laughs> so you got to know your know your equipment. Um, but it's still like the cost or labor intensive as you're doing it. You yeah, know, you can't set it and forget it either. Yep. Yeah, you have to stay there and and watch it. So if you're doing multiple samples. It's going to be loading and loading. So you can crank 10 out in an hour. That's right. the. Yeah. Yeah, it's labor intensive, but you got 10 of them done in an hour. Like you're, you know. So um, that way it's nice. Um, the next one is going to be an air fryer. I've never tried this. So. This is like the new method. I haven't of, sac- yeah, I haven't sacrificed you hear about one. And I would think that too. You're going to have to flip that sample. Probably like. I would say it's going to be very similar to the microwave process yeah, as far as like the burn potential. The top is going to be dry and the bottom is going to be wet. Yep. Just like my French fries. As I say, a lot of times and when your you cheese make curds are French fries, like that, you, you take that basket and you kind of like shake it yeah. around. The first time I did it, so the top layer was just charred and the bottom was not even close to being done. That, that's one thing I thought about with the air fryer. I don't know that that basket would hold everything. Like, I think a lot of stuff would fall through the cracks. It's like a, yeah, it is a mesh. Depends how big the holes in your mesh you are. Might have to put the... No, uh, I, th- I always think you'd weigh the whole tray. You know, you'd have to weigh that whole, you know, basket you pull out. Yeah. And then... It would fall through the mesh, but so what? I mean, it'd be annoying because you'd have to pull that out. I would line like, it, line it with tinfoil. That's, yeah. He's just saying you're gonna, your weight's gonna be off because of lo- the loss every time. Like you it's pull gonna it out. fall out of the mesh and in down into the like the basin thing. Oh, mine's different though. It's like a full basket, so you'd pull up that whole basket because whatever falls through would still be in that basket. Yeah, mine is the same way. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. I'm sure there's different. Different, there. different. Yeah. Anyway, so this this is a little bit faster. Air fryer, air fryer talk. <laughs> How do we get back? Last week we had some air fryer we had, talk as well. We're, we're so. getting we're getting big on the home economics stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is thirty minutes at two hundred and fifty degrees was the recommendation I read on how this should work. Um, quicker, hotter. Again, I think pretty high burn potential. Thirty minutes seems like a long time for the, you know, for the for the amount of direct heat that's there. Yeah, that yeah. seems it seems pretty long, but I guess maybe it maybe that's what it is. I don't know. 250 for that machine, that's actually pretty low. I would say the temperature is usually you're at like 390. And maybe that's if you put it up too high, it does burn more readily. I don't know. Yeah, I don't use an air fryer that much. So, so that's a pretty compact unit. So you're you're close to the heat source. So that might be why you have to keep it at a lower temperature. Could be. Um, and then the next one um, is going to be an NIR tester. So um, these are the. The testers that use infra, it's near infrared technology um, to test the moisture. Um, these are growing in popularity the last couple of years. Um, definitely, I think these should be double checked with a standard dry down because I do think they can lack accuracy. Yeah, we've seen samples kind of compared to a coster be, you know, a couple points off. So, uh, one thing to say about these in general is. You know, they're getting more accurate over time is they're I mean, it's all based on an algorithm and different light that it's reflecting off of. And I think these are finding different methods of putting the same sample in just multiple ways to get more accuracy and do something different. And also I'd say with like a chipper or shredder is these have a lot to do with particle size. If you think the other yeah, ones, yeah. particle size, all the other ones we mentioned, you know, you want it fine you know we want it chipped up fine just enough to get all the moisture out but it's not 
like if you got a couple of long stringies in there or real fines, it's not that big a deal. Where this, the light reflectance off that's going to be way different. So uh, that's what I've always been surprised is how it can just be, you know, fresh corn silage and chippers are way different that way. So I think you're going to have a lot of differences from that. What, what was the one that they were using at the co-op down the road here? The green gun or something like that? You guys see that one? No. It looked like, I mean, it was literally like a handheld gun, and basically they were chipping shredding into a pile, and they would just go and kind of stick that gun in the pile, and it was giving a moisture. Um, I, I think it was well, called I a green gun. I like think in the past the tech has brought one out for the flour mill in town here. I don't know Yeah, if that's the same unit, but yeah. It might be that might be the name of it, yeah, the green gun or something. Anyway, that that one I that one I did find, you know, some some variability within the accuracy. Um, the I, I'm gonna say this wrong. Scio cup. Scio cup. Scio cup. Um, that's another one that uh, Todd. I know you used one. Yeah, I've seen him at a farm that had one, and it was it's really neat kind of machine. It's got it connects to your smartphone, so you have like an app that you use, and then you stick samples in there. Um, and you can use it for, you know, all, actually it's more accurate on, you know, feed that you're feeding out, um, versus fresh corn silage, right. But guys are using it for like a TMR, but it's potentially a pre, you know, long-term replacement for a coster tester. Um, and yeah, each year it seems to be getting more accurate because I think they're refining their algorithms and all that stuff. So kind of some really neat new methods, um, very these newer ones are a lot more expensive when you start talking about using NIR stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that's... and that always is hard. As I mean, it's a little more expensive for probably a little less accuracy, or a lot more expensive for a little less. So you kind of struggle with that. Of you know, these current methods we have that we mentioned earlier are more time tested and a lot cheaper. So I think in general, the biggest takeaway is your final number is not your final number with any of these methods you're you're always going to want to add a couple points just because of you know leave yourself a fudge factor because field variability it's going to be variable sampling variability what i think the two points really though does come down to is you're never getting that sample perfectly dry Mm -hmm. with any of these methods so i I don't know on these nirs i don't know that you do at any points but the rest of them is to f- to think that you're going to get all the moisture out, well, then you're probably burning it at that point, you know, or, you, you know, to get all, all the moisture out. Because that, too, if you run the dehydrator for 48 hours straight, you probably don't have to add as much points, but you're still never going to get it to absolute 0% moisture in that sample. Right. Even- and talking at the dry down yesterday, it's the actual fudge factor is like negative 1 to plus 5 or something like that. Sure. When you, when you go across... Like cost testers, so the two points is kind of just Give the, the middle. Um, it could be a little bit less. It could be a lot more. It just depends on... Max had some samples this morning he probably thought was negative one. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's crazy sometimes what you see, but... I, the the fudge factor is hard. I struggle with that. I always tend to go early. Max and I were talking about this the other day of, okay, what do, what do we use and what seems to work? But early, I tend to add three points because it just seems like when you're above like... 68 to 70%, it it's wetter than you really think. And so I tend to add three points then, and then once we get, like, sort of more in the season, it's, like, down to, like, 68. Then I, you know, between, like, 62 and 68, I add two points. And then below 62, I 
tend to not even add any. Like, it seems like it is that dry. Like, I, I don't know why that seems to matter. Maybe it's a mindset thing. Well, I think when you do it long enough, you you start to, I, like, recognize what a sample looks like. And you're like, ah, I came back at this, but it seems like it should be wetter. Or it seems like it should be, like, it. just when you feel, you know, you have to handle it. So you're feeling it and you're looking at it and you're like, ah. I've, when, when you can squeeze, when you're putting the sample in the hydrator and you squeeze it and your hand is physically wet or you can wring some out you know it's above 70 70. yeah so i mean and even the look of the silage when you're taking it you you know where where that is ready what these samples really are for is to kind of help you project when it would be ready i fall a lot on texture yeah like when i'm cutting the stalks down if it takes me two swings Mm -hmm. we're getting close to being ready um or or when they're running through that chipper shredder when you can hear that chipper bog you know, okay, getting that stuff's getting dry. When it's really high in moisture, yet yeah, that chipper does not oh, at all. It, yeah. When yeah. it start, when you can hear like when the cob goes through, and it's like, you know, you can hear it bog basically, and then you're like, all right, we're getting pretty dang close usually. So, well, even just carrying the stocks out of the field, sometimes you're like, oh, this one, this is so much heavier than the last field I was this in. Is, this yeah. one's this one's gonna be wetter. wetter. Well, how many times do you guys use these numbers for? organization or chopping order of your fields like okay these we know these fields are wetter these fields are drier we should go here first kind of thing just to organize like you get some some guys that have thousands of acres of silage you got to know where to go first right it's gonna take them time to get through all that and and how much do we have to rush some of that is how much do we have to rush so we got a thousand acres it's all gonna be ready the same day Mm -hmm. or you have one chopper so you gotta start somewhere it means you're just probably to start on the on the wetter side and just to get through it all. Or I I think one of our greatest side. advantages is we take. I got to look through the binder. Bill, Dad was adding sheets to it the other day, new yeah. blank ones. But we got going back from 2019, 2018 yet in the binder, and you know when we were counting, I mean we're doing hundreds of these a year, so you really do get a feel for that too of just knowing. You know, on I think it was 2018, might have been 2019, where the corn silage hit a weekend where it really dropped off a cliff. We had a really warm weekend where yep. all of a sudden it just tanked. Yeah, and so that helps us. We take so many of these that you can really start to see trends and notice when what stuff, what what in general the corn's doing out there. I believe by my math last year at the two locations where we had dehydrators running, we got up to 69 samples at one time, going it overnight yeah, one day at one yeah. time. Yeah, yeah so max is right. So we're doing thousands. so it, yeah. So it's in the thousands a year. Yeah, that's so, a lot. And right. and there was a good week last year where we were we had both basically both of our dry down locations like maxed like you yeah. know thirty samples at each place pretty much. Yeah, so like you're saying, week. you're doing sixty seventy overnight for five days straight, almost for sure. And then there's days where it's you know hit or miss. Well, remember the one year where we did you did your first burn down max like Dude, August. That hurt so bad. <laughs> I did my like, first burn on. It was like August, like twenty twenty first to the twenty fourth. It was somewhere in there, and I did my last one the first week of November. Oof. Yeah, that long was a season. long. And that wasn't doing thirty every day, but it was a long. That was twenty. That was nineteen, wasn't it? 19, long stretch there. Max. Nineteen. Where we had that real spread out planting window. Yeah, so then yep. it was just that yeah. was nineteen. Well, and we were coming off a bad year, so some guys are short on feed, so we started early because we were like. Hey, can we see how well and think about the fall we had in eighteen and how crappy it was and the, the yep. ills we were trying 18, to fix. Eighteen, nineteen was 19, just yeah. Wait a guy yesterday, the dry down joke that 
I think I just finished planting in 2019 around right now. <laughs> right. Yep. Wow. Um, the one I got a question for you guys. How do you feel when we pull samples early in the day when they're still due? Um, how much do you think that can adjust the sample moisture and how much do you think that affects our outcomes? Depends how long it's going to be in your truck. Or pulling them in the rain, some of that kind of stuff. And and even how long they ride in your truck. So I, I ran a test this week. So You did it. Yeah, I did it. I did, did it confirm or deny your suspicion? It it, uh, it showed me that it doesn't matter how long it rides oh, in your truck, <laughs> actually. So I, I, ran, I ran a sample, chipped it right away, bagged it. Now, this isn't a perfect, but chipped it, bagged it, got it in a cooler, kept it cool, sure. covered, and then I let the same stock. I mean, not granted, I could have picked three dryer and three wetter, whatever, but I picked six stocks at once, and I got back, and I separated them out at the truck just randomly. Chip three. I chipped three, got them covered, got them cool. I brought three back and put them on the dehydrator. Not chipping the plant. They all came back the same. How long? How long did they ride in your truck for? A long time. Yeah, <laughs> I've, like six hours. Yeah, all day. Long. And it did not. It did not. I mean, it changed, but not much. Think of think of like when you cut alfalfa and you don't crimp it or don't, you know, you just let it sort of lay. Yeah, it doesn't really. Dry. I mean, it's still drying, but not that. Think of a whole corn plant. Like, yeah, you're going to have this. some moisture going out of stomata and that kind of thing. But I'm sure once that plant is cut, it's shutting up them stomata quick. And I, I mean, I I just have thought of that, too, is like, where are you really losing all your moisture? Whereas if you chipped it up, you know, and didn't handle it properly, you'd lose a lot with that. Yeah. You so know, you, you didn't bag it and I, put it in a I know we get nervous sometimes about like, hey, you know, we got to load the chipper on the back of the truck and drive because we're going to be, you know, we do some of that stuff and I I do it too. Like but I don't like I said I I kind of wanted to see if it was really worth it or if I was, you know, making work, make making a mountain out of a molehill and I think I think for the most part if you're being smart about it, it doesn't. I mean, I have a covered I have a covered bed. I think that makes a difference. That helps I think if you have shade. sun beating directly on sure. it like that I know it gets warm in the covered bed, but in general like you say it's not sun beating on it. But it's also it super it's... humid in there. Yeah, so that sure, so that's that, holding That actually, shit. you know, if you were riding with an open bed and wind and sun directly on it, I think that would be... Matt, remember that one here? We, like, rigged up a, a cooler, cooler for the back of the truck. Like, a, yeah. it had ice in it and, like, a fan, <clears throat> like one of those styrofoam coolers. And that would just blow cold air. It would blow air cold air. Yeah. And I, yeah, I can back stuff I don't know that, 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 really, like a, that sounds like a lot of work. It, yeah. it was like, oh, we'll keep it, you know, then... Then they'll stay better when we ride around. Sure. And then every time then. you open the tailgate, it, you just let all the cold air out. And Max just told you it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, maybe it, I should do it again and see if it makes a difference. But for right now, I'm I'm not going to get too nervous about doing that. I mean, it is nice, though, to, to chip it on the road so you don't have the bed full, full, full when you get there. The yeah. other part about chipping it in, like, the field or on the road is then you got, you know, what you don't use, you can just dump out. You yeah, you don't have to sample, take a bit. Yeah, you don't have to, all I, that stuff to... Dumped it on the silage pile when I was yeah, there. Yeah, or and right. Took or a picture and sent it to the farm yeah. and said, "Just see, I got the first." I started loading. your pile. <laughs> yeah, I said, "Do you pay by the acre or by the by the ton? I'll take my payment anytime." <laughs> did you drive like the four wheeler over it to kind of <laughs> pack it down? I actually threw it on the pile they had scraped up for the next feeding. Like I didn't even put it on the real pile. So <laughs> and the farmer threw a penny at you as you were driving. Yeah, by. yeah. Like, here you go. He cut it in half before he threw it at me, and then yeah, that's for that's for this weekend next week. All right, so there you go. That's. Some different ways to check your silage moisture. Uh, watch for dry downs. A lot of organizations do events where you can take your 
your cobs in stocks, or you know, if your agronomist might be able to help you out there too. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So coming out of Iowa, there is a carbon task force looking for ways to make money for farmers. So Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa's new carbon sequestration task force made it clear on Friday they want to make money for farmers while addressing one of the biggest environmental threats worldwide. So they had an inaugural meeting at the state fairgrounds and they have 100 days to come up with recommendations to state lawmakers and others on ways to help manage carbon. This, so somebody, I, mean, I think we're all trying to make sense of carbon markets and and what the best ways of managing carbon sequestration are. I know I've seen the bumper stickers, my cow sequesters more carbon than your Prius. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I like that one. I've not seen those bumper stickers. So Iowa taking the... Taking the reins on this one and coming up with a task force to kind of help try to figure that out. Well, whether they can do it in 100 days, I don't know. But I'd be interested to see who's on the task force. Um, because I the one complaint I've heard about the, some of the carbon market things is that more of, the, more of the help right now is leaned towards guys who are going from very poor practices to less poor practices. Or the guys that are already using really good practices right they don't get anything so i'm I'm hoping that on this task force there's somebody who you know maybe has been doing this for a while and can get that voice make sure that voice is heard too so it says they're looking to um, consider how this might be able to be worked into the next farm bill and they have support from current u.s ag secretary tom vilsack who is also a former iowa governor looking at who is interested in looking at how to address carbon sequestration. So now we'll move into our Ag History Minute for today. I love that banjo. So today, since we're talking silage dry down, we're going to talk a little bit about the Coster Tester. So the Coster Farm Experience back the need for accurate and simple method of testing moisture in crops and was the basis for starting the manufacturing of the Coster Moisture Tester in 1948. Invented by Ed Coster, who milked approximately 75 Holsteins on a 290-acre farm in Wayne County, Ohio. In 1986, at the age of 95, Ed Coster sold his company to the Fashion family of Medina, Ohio. They are carrying on Ed's tradition of a reliable product for fair market price, and they've been doing that for over 40 years. So there you go, farm innovation right there, the Coster Tester, and it's a method used pretty widely. Their new Coster Tester, they've got the Coster Moisture Tester Cannabis Series. Ooh, so, so now you can a, test your, uh, yes. your hemp. Uh, yeah. Maybe one of our employees should be listening to that to <laughs> test his product. And then they do have like a newer digital scale. I've never used Whoa. one with the digital scale. Oh, instead of the, the old right, needle it's scale. It's got kind of a needle scale. That, and the coster tester, you know, it's sort of, I don't really get how it's calibrated to do that, but it, it just tells you the moisture. You don't have to do the math kind of. So I wonder how this digital scale, if it's just a gram scale or if it is like a... 
tells you the like it does tell you. You said Todd, it's all about the algorithm. They have digital. Yeah, they have digital scales for the county now, don't they? Pretty sure we used them last year. Um, we were using the Coster scale, which is most positively they may looks like a weighing scale, but then it gives you the moisture on the needle instead of. They may not have been the county's costers because this was, yeah, this was two years ago. Yeah, here it does just say grams, so I don't know if it is just like a gram scale or. It is. Oh, it is. It is. It's oh. Yep. Okay. The coster digital scale. So we have to do the math. Yeah, hundred and forty bucks for a digital scale, though. That's. Digital scale. I mean, yeah, that's up there. Depends how accurate it is. I can get is. a kitchen gram scale for. Wow, but so those probably, aren't. We were, and these got to be to point one grams, right. not a lot of kitchen. We were scale ones shopping this week. How much are they? Well, they're about that. No, for for one use, what I th- is between sixty and one fifty for a, for a kind of one that would work for one hundred and forty dollars to make me feel bad about myself. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go with sixty. I'm good. No, it's it's. it's yeah. All right. Now, Todd, what do you got to tell us about our podcast? Yeah, thanks for listening. We appreciate all our listeners out there. Thanks for downloading. Please tell a farmer friend to subscribe and download. When he asks you what is a podcast, tell him it's like radio on your phone. And they might say, well, why don't I just listen to the radio then? And say, well, you're not going to get all the new up-to-date egg news or all the latest on egg technology or anything like that on the radio. You got to only get it here. So search Tilt Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on Android. You have to download an app and it's either we like Podcast Addict, there's Podbean and Player FM. There's also a way you can listen just right on your computer or smartphone browser and you go to tiltaid.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right, now let's get into our cool beans, and that's corny for this week. So, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans. So, cool beans this week. New pandemic aid program encourages dairy donations to food banks. So, in order to reduce food waste and help feed hungry Americans, USDA will spend an estimated four hundred million to reimburse dairy organizations for donating products to food banks, according to deputy deputy agriculture secretary. Jewel Brenna on Wednesday. So donation program was a secondary component of the pandemic relief to dairy farmers that would total two billion this year. I've said for a long time that we got milk that we don't know what to do with and people who don't have any food, why don't we try and put these two together? So I was I think I mean I'm I don't understand all the politics of it, but to me this kind of seems like a no brainer. If we can get food to people that don't have it out of the stuff that we aren't using there's way too much food in this country that does that goes, goes to waste. To waste. Yeah. That's that's also true. It's very sad. This is good. Yeah. Good thing. We, good thing to do. And hopefully, with schools starting up, I know some Wisconsin schools started this week already, um, but most will start within the next week or so. Here, that should hopefully help uh, use up some of that milk surplus as well. Get those kids back drinking milk. It was only 12-ish months ago we were dumping milk in places. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if we can, uh, instead of dumping milk next time, if we can go to a food bank or something, that would be a much better option. Do you guys pay for your kids to have milk break? You have to pay what, for that? It's like an extra like 50 bucks. Yes. Well, I don't think it was. We don't get milk break. Oh, really? What? I don't remember it being that much. I, I Maybe swear for what? three kids it might be. No, there. I'm pretty sure that was per kid. I, I just, yeah, because it was, yeah. 
My wife was asking, and then like, I that's it was not like, even a question. Yeah. They, they, $15 or something per... It could have been, yeah. For like half the year or something, like 30 for the whole year, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. They, I'm talking whole year, yeah. Yeah, so, but I don't think it was 50 yet. Plus, last year with a lot of the pandemic stuff came free lunch free, and free... Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think they paid for some... I know for sure the lunches, but even some of the milk probably was covered by that. Which makes it confusing this year because my kids still have a lunch balance from last year. Yeah. Oh, put, really? Like they well, you put money sure. in, in the beginning of the year because it wasn't that wasn't happening, and then when everything went free, and it's like, oh, well, now this just sits there. Okay, yeah. we put a bunch of money in at the end of twenty nineteen. <laughs> sure, and it's been sitting there for a year mm-hmm. and a half. So, yeah, nice. Should be interest interest on on that. That. Yeah, yeah be, we should. School's got you got an extra couple lunches coming. Got our money. All right, now that's corny for this week, and I'm going to go with Dan One, because it's not Danon like the people that make yogurt. Danone? Danone, or, yeah, D-A-N-O-N-E. Danone. Danone is going to terminate organic milk contracts in the Northeast, so Global Food Company has given a year's notice to 89 organic dairy farms in Northeast that it will stop buying their milk on August 31st of next year, 2022. Decision is just the latest squeeze on organic dairy producers who face rising costs and pressures to consolidate. Maine Governor Janet Mills said the decision is a devastating setback for Maine's organic dairy community. So it's never... We never like to see... Farms get told that their their milk is no longer welcome at, at a processor, and so this is just the latest in a a trend over the last few years of companies just saying, "Nope, yeah, we we don't need your milk," or putting limits on how much milk a farm can produce. Eighty nine dairies at a clip is that's a lot of milk. Yeah, that's not cutting one or two guys. That's a lot of milk. It's a lot of milk. Let's see, I don't know if they had a. Yeah, they don't have an estimated amount of total milk that was coming out in the article, but yeah, unfortunately, it's just the way this business works sometimes, And but it's sad to see. At least they did give them a year's notice, not... Right, it wasn't like, hey, hey yeah, next, next week, next week. Yep. That's happened around here. Yeah. Milk truck's not going to exactly. be there. Exactly. I still hold a grudge about it, too, so Ooh. refuse to use their products. So anyway, so to be named, does it unnamed rhyme with Glassland? Yeah, <clears throat> is that I I hate that they make all the all the little tabs of butter because yeah, for all the like restaurants and stuff. Crazy. Yeah, I won't eat it. I just don't put butter on stuff. It's terrible. <laughs> but if you don't eat the butter, then they're going to cut more farmers. Oh, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, I think yes. the farmers are losing in this still. Farmers lose no matter what. I lose again. All right. Well, that'll do it for us for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, for, thanks for being here, guys. I, I jumped the gun. Thanks for having us, Matt. <laughs> I was so excited. You were so excited. This week we talked about how to manage silage dry down and some different ways to get your lucky number or unlucky number, depending how you look at it, for moisture. In our spotlight, we talked about Iowa grabbing the reins and looking to come up with a Carbon Program Blueprint, Egg History Minute. We talked about the history of the Coster Tester. 
Cool Beans was pandemic aid program encouraging dairy donations to food banks. And that's corny was Danone terminating organic milk contracts in the Northeast. So thanks everybody for listening. And as always, happy farming. (laughs) 